Hello and welcome to the Wheel of Crime podcast. This podcast is ran by two ladies who play games, mumble profanities, and laugh way too often. Also, this podcast does cover topics of sensitive nature, and as such, listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to another spooky episode of the Wheel of Crime podcast. My name is Jen. And I am Emily. And we're back. Back again. It's Spooktober. We are here to be scary for you. Hey, that <laughs> oh, I love that. That actually didn't sound too bad. <laughs> I'm pretty good on the fly. Look at me go. Look at you. That was so cute. I loved it. <laughs> I don't even remember what I said. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. How how have you been? Have you done anything like themed for our spooky, spooky show we've got going on here during your week? Or has it been mostly just work and envisioning potential pumpkins in your future? Oh, I've been envisioning all the pumpkins. All the pumpkin pie, all the pumpkin spice drinks. Honestly, that's my favorite part of the fall is my cozy sweaters, my nice like hot lattes. Oof, what a vibe. Oh, what definitely. a vibe. My favorite is, uh, this is very a very, very fall thing for me, but one of my all-time favorite things has been to, like, go to, like, a fire, like, you know, like, just, like, a fire pit in somebody's backyard, have yes. a couple of hot dogs, and then you do, and then you have, like, something that is, like, a little bit of, like, a fall food, and then, like, um, you have, like, an apple cider as, like, your drink for the evening, and just, like, chill Oof. out and enjoy the nice, cool air with your sweater on, like, it just, it speaks to me. That hits. It hits different, like, nothing else. That is the vibe. We should do that after recording this episode. That is what I'm saying, because otherwise, what else are we going to do? Work? That's not very festive. Exactly. We, listen, the autumn season in Canada lasts like 20 seconds, so we got to make the most of it. <laughs> that's all I'm See, saying. See, and it's funny because I think that's literally how long it lasts. It snows every year before Halloween, so we got to gotta get it gotta get those goods don't curse it don't put that bad juju in the air it's like not bad juju it's a fact at this point there is no juju no. anymore i refuse to believe i'm moving on i'm uh i'm i'm, I'm just taking that that thought out of my mind it's <laughs> fall it's festive the leaves are crunchy like it's it's a vibe the leaves are crunchy my heart is crunchy everything's good (laughs) my my pumpkin spice latte crunchy with all the good stuff oh no not my (laughs) pumpkin spice latte that one's not crunchy thankfully thankfully uh but yeah on that note we should spin for our wheel of questions then and kind of get into it we got haunted locations up to the bat this week and i'm excited to share with you what i've got me too take her away em so what would you do if you were to ever, like, catch a ghost on camera. Cry, probably. Um, move. <laughs> uh, never return to that location. Uh, jump off a bridge, maybe. I don't know. We'd have to see how severe the situation was. <laughs> that is very funny. Because literally my own first thought was, like, if I did catch a ghost on camera, like, say it was, like, a selfie or, like, I was taking a picture of somebody else and there happened to be a ghost in there, I would be horrified to start with, sure. But then I would definitely blast that shit all over social media and I'd be like, look at this ghost! Try to prove me wrong, suckers! 
Emily would become a viral sensation. Her career would take off. She would uh, become a millionaire. And the ghostie would be to thank for that. Emily would probably thank the ghost in her Oscar acceptance speech. So this is literally how it would It'd be go. only good things. Yeah, I'd be like, thank you for everybody that helped me get here, especially that ghost. You did me a solid. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, bestie. You did it. Right? But yeah, no, I, li- I like your reaction. I feel like a lot of people would probably be on the same page as you, though. Not gonna lie. Yeah. I feel like I would feel better about it if it was, like, let's say it was at, like, a random museum. I would be like, you know what? I don't like it, but at least that's not one of my regular places. If it was in my home, <laughs> I, it would be that would be it for me. It, that would be it. That's a good point, though. I feel like, especially if, if it was, like, me taking a selfie and that's how i caught this ghost i might have i might have some beef with this ghost i'd be like hey listen buddy why are you in my selfie let's start there second of all why are you in my house (laughs) third of all get out no one invited you in yeah literally third of all leave immediately (laughs) literally imagine you take a selfie and then you just see like a creepy ghostly hand on your shoulder (gasps) And, like, no. part of its face behind your neck. Oh, stop it. That's terrible. I hate that. No more. We're done. <laughs> Let's move on to the next See, question. you'd be on the bridge with me. <laughs> You're gonna be on the bridge with me? Probably. <laughs> okay, uh, do you think that older places are more likely to have ghosts or new ones? I mean, I honestly feel like it's a 50-50 gamble. Because in a world where ghosts, it, like, let's just hypothetically say that we all we all agree that ghosts exist. Okay? <laughs> like, that's the world we're working with here. Yeah. In that world, an old place, you would think maybe off the bat would be more likely because there's more time and chances for shit to happen there. But mm-hmm. my argument is that new places are also just as likely because you don't know what happened on that land or, mm-hmm. like, you know, like, there's... There's so much opportunity for shit to go wrong literally anywhere. So what I'm saying is you're fucked either way. (laughs) I love that. See, I actually have a theory on this one. So I think that actually older places that have like since then been abandoned for being haunted are actually less likely to have ghosts than new ones. And hear me out. So. Let's say in the in this world that we've created where everybody believes ghosts exist, okay? I would think that because the spiritual energy of older places is so old, there's more time for them to come to terms with themselves and, like, move on. Versus mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if somebody is freshly deceased, that not a lot of time has passed for them to come to terms with whatever their beef is with life and move on to the next stage. So it's almost True. like the ghost energy is, like, fresh and more likely to be in newer places. Or, like you said, what if it's more about, like, the land and somebody dies and triggers something way older? Then still, in an essence, it's still, like, new energy. That, I would agree with you. I think that's a pretty good theory. It's solid. You should get that published in a scientific journal or something. <laughs> when I learn how to write and then learn how to read, maybe I'll do it. <laughs> Well, I'll put you in a class with Leah and Michelle and you can both learn at the same time. (laughs) Sounds like a plan. I can get the inside scoop. But yes, um, I mean, that basically answers our question. Are you ready for the next one? 
I'm ready. Okay. What would be your ghost outfit if you were a ghost? Ooh. My initial thought is I'd go historical, full Victorian, even though I'm not from that era. That would be fun. Just for the iron ironic part of it, like say if you passed away like tomorrow and came back as a ghost and you were in a full Victorian outfit, I'd be like, literally, what the fuck are you doing? Exactly. Like, I want to look like I'm ripped straight out of the pages of Little Women. Like, yeah. that's the vibe. You're like, I am looking for Mr. Darcy. Have you seen him? Exactly. I need a sugar daddy and that's Mr. Darcy. Okay. Yep. Immediately. Sign me up. Uh, So then if that was your first thought, what's like your real answer then? Or is that your real answer? I mean, I just feel like it would be such a vibe. So I think that's just what I'm going to have to go with. Okay. Or I would wear something like really ridiculous. That way you would look at me initially be terrified that I'm a ghost. But then be like, why the fuck is she wearing like a giant cowboy hat? Yeah. Or like, (laughs) (laughs) like how you're like something ridiculous. Like a cowboy hat. And I'm like, yeah, like a full goose outfit. <laughs> yeah. Why is she dressed like a duck? Literally. Can someone tell uh, me? I do actually really like that. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Um, I don't know. See, if you could pick your ghost outfit, I feel like even ghosts themselves would probably pick a different outfit. Because there's always like the theory that it's like whatever you die in is what you're stuck in forever or whatever, right? Um, yeah. And what so... if it's laundry day when I die? Like, that's not Well, fun. that's my thing. I'm like, if I pass away and it's laundry day, I will be wearing an oversized t-shirt and sweatpants forever. And there's nothing spooky about that. Um, <laughs> but, but like, if we're going off of like what I wear, like regularly, then it would be like, you know, my hairstyle that I wear all the time, which is a bun on my head with like a sweater probably and like leggings and running shoes. Like I would look like I have somewhere to be. That would be the other option. She's a productive ghost who has lots of errands to run. That's what it would give. All of them. And then if I had to pick, because I'm giving you three options today. If I had to pick my ghost outfit, I would want... I would want to wear something that I wouldn't normally wear in real life. Like, um, definitely some kind of costume or like a super ridiculously fancy getup. Yeah, like, I I want you to be wearing a gown, you know? I know. I want people to look at me in my gown as a ghost and be like, the drama. I must know what happened to her. <laughs> Ooh, she died at some event. Yeah, she she died spontaneously at some kind of, like, fancy event. Was she murdered? I want, I want the intrigue. I want the drama. I love that for you. I, I think that's great. I love it for me, too. Um, should we spin for our next question? Yeah, spin away. Alright, this is our last question. So, what do you think of historical ghost stories? Like, the ones that are, like, just, like, repeated throughout all the years, that comes straight from history. Maybe they're, like, about historical figures coming back as ghosts. Like, like, what is your general thought on that kind of stuff? Hmm. Me, personally, I don't really believe in ghosts. But I'm, like... (laughs) How dare you? I feel like I'm pretty open to, like, if someone could prove to me that they did exist, I'd probably believe them. But I feel like historical ghosts 
are very dramatic bitches <laughs> and it's probably unlikely that they're hanging around still because you would think that they got better things to do in the afterlife but who fucking knows thank you i actually have the same opinion about historical ghosts i think that to be honest I feel like most, like, high-end figures that people, like, knew in life who were, like, celebrities or, like, politicians who've died or whatever have probably moved on. I don't believe that the ghost of, like, Elvis or Abraham Lincoln are, like, Jay chilling <laughs> somewhere. Um, but, like, if, if, like, say somebody has so much unfinished business that they're like, no, I must come back for revenge. Yeah, sure, why not? I'm just assuming that I probably don't know who they are. Yeah, I feel like in the world where everyone believes in ghosts, more than likely the ghosts are hanging around because they've got unfinished business. So I feel like like Abe Lincoln is like, you know what? I was president and then I was murdered. The guy who murdered me is dead. Like, our beef is settled. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go chill now. I'm done. Exactly. Exactly. Like, why would he still be here? Like... There is nothing else. It's done. It's over. It's gone. It's over. He's like, I, I, did I die with my top hat on? I don't even know. I don't even know if he did too, but I will assume so. I feel like, I feel like for me with a bun on my head is like Abe Lincoln with his top hat. Like you just don't see one without the other. (laughs) It's iconic. Like he, he just, he has it whether he likes it or not. That's exactly it. Um, but yes, so that concludes our question round. And now, are you ready for my description for my story that I am going to be telling you today? Take it away, Emily. So, my description for you is, The Brown Lady of Rainman Hall is a ghost that reportedly haunts Rainman Hall in Norfolk, England. It became one of the most famous hauntings in the United Kingdom when photographers from Country Life magazine claimed to have captured its image. The brown lady is so named because of the brown brocade dress it is claimed that she wears. Ooh. Right? Very fancy. Um, Very. And with with that, let's get into the story. Take it away. So, Rainman Hall in Norfolk is considered one of the most beautiful homes in the country. It began construction in 1619 and was completed some 15 years later. The house was designed by Sir Roger, the first baronet of Townshend, with construction led by his master mason, William Edge. The hall is the first in England to have been heavily influenced by European architecture and possibly a product of Roger and Edge's travels together abroad. Unfortunately, Sir Roger died suddenly in 1637 before the completion of Rainman Hall. The most famous resident of Rainman Hall was Charles Townshed, who I just mentioned. Um, the Or no, sorry, I mentioned uh, Sir Roger, so this is a different person. Um, and he was the second Viscount of Townshend, and he uh, was there from 1674 to 1738. Uh, Charles is is remembered for his role in the British Agricultural Revolution, specifically promoting the promotion of four crop rotation methods involving turnips, barley, clove, and wheat. He also advocated growing turnips as feed for livestock, which gave him the name of Turnip Townshend. Oh, what an interesting name to have bestowed upon you. 
I don't know how I would feel if my friends nicknamed me Turnip, but thankfully that's not the life that I live. <laughs> but it could be. <laughs> don't laugh too hard. <laughs> no, no, don't do it. Uh, I'm just going to move on. So, <laughs> during various uh, building restorations at Raymond Hall, Charles had arch- architectural as well as political ri- ri- rivalry blah, 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 with <clears throat> Norfolk neighbor Robert Walpole, future Earl of Orford, as the two competed to create the most beautiful country house in Norfolk, which just sounds like some good, high-money beef to be having with another person if your, like, life battle is who has the nicest country house. But I digress. Yeah, that's a battle of luxury. Definitely. Uh, So after 400 years of occupancy... Occasional stretches of vacancy and an extensive amount of continued restorations, the estate and 7,000 acres uh, of Raymond Hall continues to be the proud home of the Townshend family, with the Marquis of Townshend as the current occupants. So today, Raymond Hall is still known for its architectural splendor and dazzling interior design, but an incident that occurred almost 90 years ago has put the hall on the map for another reason entirely. And so... I am going to send you a picture here, okay? Okay. And then you can tell me what you think once you see it. Okay. I'm looking at said picture. It looks like a ghostly woman standing on a staircase. That would be correct. So, on December 26th, December 1936, Country Life magazine ran a story that would become the basis of one of Britain's most popular ghost stories. But more importantly, the article was accompanied by a photograph that many readers saw as proof of Raymond Hall's haunting and the existence of life after death. The photograph was taken by Indri Shira and Captain Hubert C. Provend when the pair were at Raymond Hall taking photographs for their article. Shira then recalled the incident in Country Life when the haunting photograph was published. So he says, At about four o'clock in the afternoon, we came to the oak staircase. Captain Provind took one photograph of it while I flashed the, bu- flashed the light. He was focusing again for another exposure, and I was standing by his side just behind the camera, with the flashlight pistol in my hand, looking directly up the staircase. All at once, I detected an ethereal, veiled form coming slowly down the stairs. Rather excitedly, I called out sharply, Quick! Quick! There's something! Are you ready? Yes, the, photog- the photographer replied, and removed the cap from the lens. I pressed the trigger of the flashlight pistol, and after the flash, on the closing shutter, Captain Provind remo- removed the focusing cloth from his head and turned to me and said, What's all the excitement about? I directed his attention to the staircase and explained that I had distinctly seen a figure there, transparent so that the steps were visible through the ethereal form, but nevertheless very definite to me and perfectly real. He laughed and said, I must have imagined I'd seen a ghost, for there was nothing now to be seen. And so just to kind of preface again, uh, the photo is from Country Life magazine, published the 26th of December in 1936. So, Captain Provind brushed off Shearer's excitement and bet him five pounds that the developed photos would show nothing supernatural, which it did, or so they claim. The photo was examined by leading paranormal investigator Harry Price, who determined that the, photo- that the photograph was indeed real and the image was published, along with Shearer's account, in the December issue of Country Life that year. So, hmm. what do you think of this photo now that you've seen it? 
I feel like this was a very scandalous photo to be published in 1936. And that dude lost five pounds. So (laughs) get fucked, dude. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It, to me, looks... We'll have to put it up on our Instagram so our listeners can weigh in. But... To me, it kind of looks like it could be an effect of the camera because, like, olden day cameras, you had to stay still for a really long time. So I think it could have easily been someone, like, moving in and out of the frame in that moment of, like, the shutter. But it's hard to say. Right? So I kind of have a similar theory. Or um, my other thought is that uh, even back then, they still had the ability to just superimpose images on top of each other. Mm-hmm. So it may have even been that they had a photo taken of somebody else doing something else that just happened to like superimpose itself on this particular photo. And that Shira kind of like wanted to boost the idea of this story by like making up this incident that happened that may have actually not been a true story. But yeah, I'll tell you the story, though, about the haunting history of this lady that they claimed that they saw, okay? Okay, tell me. So, when the photograph was published, readers instantly connected with the figure who was the brown lady, and she has a history of haunting Raymond Hall. So, who is this brown lady, though, and why is her spirit, like, stuck walking this Norfolk manor? So, according to legend, the brown lady is the ghost of Lady Dorothy Townshend. A sister of Britain's generally considered first prime minister, Sir Robert Walpole, member of the aristocratic Walpole family, and aunt of antiquarian and gothic revivalist Horace Walpole, which I want that to be my legacy, is a (laughs) antiquarian and gothic revivalist. Love it. Um, (laughs) We'll put that on your tombstone, don't worry. Good. I will haunt you if it doesn't happen. That's a promise. After um, after you pass away from your graveyard cough. Yeah, my yeah, exactly. When my when my deathly when my death rattle overtakes me. Um and if you pass <laughs> away first, I'm going to make sure that it says Jennifer rat what was it? Radish? No, Jennifer Turnup. <laughs> turnup <laughs> will. Why do I have to be the turnup? I think because you're more now. turnipy than me. I'm definitely not near. I'm maybe more of like a radish. You're more of a turnip, for sure. I disagree. I'm more of a potato. Maybe. With, I'll, I'll give you Listen, that one, since we just had our Thanksgiving episode. 90% of my body is potato, okay? The other 10% is water and well, caffeine. Like, we're going to pick root vegetables. I'm probably more of a yam. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Emily yam. <laughs> That's not nearly as funny, though. Anyways... We can debate this all we want, but this is going to be my legacy, okay? So, and then Dorothy was born in Norfolk in 1686 and married into the Townshend family sometime before 1713 via Charles Turnup Townshend himself, who was then widowed a couple years prior. Um, The details of Dorothy's life at Raymond Hall are murky at best. So, due to her connection with the Brown Lady, it's difficult to separate fact from fiction, We know that she gave birth to at least 11 children, at least, and that she lived her married life at Rainman Hall. Like, good God. Uh, I might own 11 cats in my life. 11 children? Are you kidding me? No wonder she's haunting this place. She's like, I birthed 11 children, and that's a crime. And this is my payment, (laughs) is I get to stay here 
by myself forever. For free. And haunt all your asses for coming in here. Literally. Um, so, but the remaining details of her life are unfortunately intertwined with her ghost story a lot, and so is likely mostly based on rumor and exaggeration. So, according to some versions of the Brown Lady legend, Dorothy's husband caught her in an affair with Lord Wharton, who was the <gasps> active Lord of, or the active House of Lords, and working in opposition to Dorothy's brother, Robert. Oh, how scandalous. Scandalous. And locked her away in the wing of a hall. And some say that the affair occurred before her marriage and in other stories that occurred during her marriage. And another version claims that Lady Wharton was also involved in her imprisonment because this this lord of the house, Lord Wharton, was already married when this alleged scandal occurred. This lady was wronged. I understand why she's haunting them now. Deeply. So, the cause of Dorothy's death is also a contested matter. Some stories say that she died of a broken heart after being separated from her young children when she was imprisoned at Raymond Hall. Another story Mm -hmm. says that her death and funeral were faked by her husband, who filled her empty coffin with bricks while he kept her locked alone in a wing of Raymond Hall. However, when Dorothy died in 1726 at the age of 39, they do say it was most likely due to smallpox and not so mysterious of a death that is often attributed to her. Dorothy is buried at East Rainman in Norfolk. Either way, I hope Dorothy haunted her husband and this Lord Wart. Yes, Wart. Lord Wart is what I shall call him. But we will call Not. him Lord Wart because he is Lord fitting. Wart to me. Um, I hope she haunted them for the rest of their days and got her comeuppance because I'm on Dorothy's side. I'm not gonna lie. That's what I'm saying too. Like you know what, power to power to you as a ghost. Do whatever you want. I, I give zero fucks. You want to punish the <laughs> men? Say less. <laughs> Get it, girl. Live, live your life, girl. Live it. Um. So the apparent sighting of the lady of the brown lady was at a Christmas gathering in Raymond Hall hosted by Lord Charles Townsend, a descendant of Dorothy's husband, in 1835. Two gentlemen, Colonel Loftus and Hawkins, who uh, who were staying at the hall during the celebrations, claimed to see the apparition of a woman in a brown dress on the way to their bedrooms one night. Upon sketching what they saw, a number of guests claimed to have seen the same figure during their stay and a gruesome detail to Loftus's account is that the figure had two dark pits on their face instead of eyes. Ooh. That's so, spooky. Very spooky. A second sighting of a slightly more violent caliber occurred sometime during the 19th century by Captain Frederick Marriott from who lived from 1792 to 1848. A novelist, pioneer of nautical fiction and an acquaintance of Charles Dickens, Uh, And then Florence Marriott, the captain's daughter, wrote an account of her father's experience in her book, There Is No Death, from 1891. Florence recalled the room at Raymond Hall where the brown lady's portrait hung, which showed her wearing a brown satin dress with yellow trimmings, and described her as a very harmless, innocent-looking young woman. Which she probably was. (laughs) Right? And so... However, the innocent-looking woman had been causing quite the stir after this. Frederick was friends with Sir Charles and the Lady Townshend, who wore, who at the time were living in Raymond Hall, and heard complaints about guests and servants refusing to stay at the hall after encountering this ghost. 
Frederick requested to stay at Raymond Hall to prove his own theory that the haunting was actually local smugglers. As a magistrate, Frederick was aware of increasing smuggler activity in the area who were trying to frighten the town shens out of the hall. Frederick st- uh, chose to occupy the so-called haunted room where the portrait was hanging during his stay, and since he was so convinced it was smugglers and not a ghost, he slept with a loaded revolver under his pillow. Okay. So. Okay. Yes, this man. Yeah. Man, a man doing man things, as always. What else is there? As always. Literally and not even shocked. Yeah, no, literally nothing. So, on the third and final night of his stay, Frederick's visit had been uneventful with no appearances of a spirit or smugglers. Two of the baronet's nephews knocked on his door after he'd already changed into his nightclothes and asked for Frederick to come to their room to show him a new gun that they'd ordered from London. A man doing man things, like we just said. So he took his revolver, laughing that it was in case we meet the brown lady, and followed them into the hallway. Florence recalls what happened to her father once the three left his bedroom. So this is the story from his daughter that he shared with her. So he says, The corridor was long and dark, for the lights had been extinguished, but as they reached the middle of it, they saw the glimmer of a lamp coming towards them from the other end. One of the ladies going to visit the nurseries, whispered the young town shens to my father. Now the bedroom doors in that corridor faced each other, and each room had a double door with a space between, as in the case of many old-fashioned country houses. My father, as I have said, was in a shirt and trousers only, and, and his native modesty made him feel uncomfortable, so he slipped within one of the outer doors, and his friends followed his example, in order to conceal himself until the lady, uh, until the lady should have passed by, the one going to the nurseries. I have heard him describe how he watched her approaching nearer and nearer, through the chink of the door until she was close enough for him to distinguish the colors and style of her costume. He recognized the figure as a, as a female, or, sorry, as the facimile of the portrait of the brown lady. He had his finger on the trigger of the revolver and was about to demand it to stop and give the reason for its presence there when the figure halted of its own accord before the door behind of which he stood. And holding the lighted lamp she carried to her features, grinned a malicious and diabolical manner to him. This act so infuriated my father, who, if anything but in a lamb-like disposition, that he sprang into the corridor with a bound and discharged the revolver right in her face. The figure instantly disappeared, the figure at which, for the space of several minutes, three men had been looking together, and the bullet passed through the outer door of the room on the opposite side of the corridor and lodged into the panel of the inner one. My father never attempted again to interfere with the brown lady of Raymond, and I have heard that she haunted the premises to that she haunts the premises to this day. That she did so at the time, however, and there is no shadow of a doubt. So this is an excerpt from Florence's book, which is There Is No Death by Florence Marriott, published in eighteen ninety one, and this is on page ten and eleven, if people want to look it up. Um, but to summarize, man's is in shirt and pants. Embarrassed to be seen by a lady checking on babies. So he says to his friends, let's hide in this room real quick and wait for her to pass so we can go see these guns. So when they're doing that, he's looking through like the gap in the door like this. And he sees this lady is wearing a brown dress. And she notices that he's in there without him giving like, like making a sound or anything. So she looks to where he's looking at her and just smiles which apparently infuriated him. So he 
leaps into the hallway, like Jack be nimble over the candlestick, fires the gun at her smiling face, and she disappears in a cloud of smoke. I have so many problems with this story. Number one, what did he think a gun was going to do against a ghost? They're literally already dead. Number two, (laughs) shooting a gun at a woman for smiling? Total man move. Fucking hate him. Number three, he should go to jail just for being a man in this story. Um... And number four, he should be embarrassed about his shirt and pants, I'm sure. I, don't, I haven't seen what they look like, but I'm convinced that he should be embarrassed. Same. like, And that's the thing, too, is that this lady's literally giving this account from her father, and I was like, your dad does not sound like a nice person. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I do not like him. He's the villain, okay? Not the lady in brown. This man is the villain, and no literally, one can convince me otherwise. she's done nothing wrong. She's just, like, floated around a couple times and smiled at people, and apparently that makes her evil. Literally, she smiled, and he's like, must shoot. Sir, He's she's dead. Like, just let her smile at people if that's what makes her happy. I'm sorry. Like, you're the villain. You are Thank the villain. You. That is what I'm telling you. And so... To continue, the third sighting occurred in 1926 when the then Lady Townshend's son saw the brown lady on the stairs while playing with a friend. The two were able to identify the woman from the portrait of Dorothy Walpole that was still hanging on the haunted room's wall. And so I ask you this, is this photo proof of that haunting? So the current Townshend family living in Raymond Hall believes that Dorothy continues to walk the corridors of the estate today. However, they don't believe Proven and Shearer's photograph is real, which I can vouch for that too. I also believe that. So, when discussing the haunting, Lord Charles Raymond, the son of the present Marquis Townshend of Raymond, told the BBC, She isn't there to haunt the house, but she's certainly still there. I know that she is, and I'm glad that she's still around. Currently not the same, or certainly not the same reaction of fear experienced by the Colonel Loftus, Hawkins, and the Captain Frederick, but whether or not the current Townshend family believes their house to be haunted doesn't apply validity to Proven and Shira's ghostly photograph. So, to add a somewhat disappointing ending to this story, the general consensus today is that Proven and Shira's famous photograph of the brown lady is a fake. When you look at it through modern eyes, I'm sure we can all understand why we would think this. Um, but at the time the famous photograph was taken, the brown lady was already a well-known ghost story. And what better way is there to than to capitalize on a local legend than faking a photograph with a so-called ghost? It certainly earned Proven and Shear the attention they might have been seeking when they sent out to photograph Raymond Hall in the Country Life magazine. And despite Harry Price's affirmation that the negative of the photograph is entirely innocent of faking, others weren't as convinced. An investigation of the photograph was done by London's the Society of Physical Physical, but not it's like <laughs> the Society of Cyclical. I think it is research. I'm just going to call it the SPR. Was taken one year later in 1937, believing that the specter was a result of the camera being shaken during a six-second exposure session. So another theory is that the photographer smeared a gr- smeared grease on the camera lens to get the spooky effect, or that the image is a result of um, one photograph being superimposed over another one, which is what I had said earlier. So the others have mentioned that the suspicious similarities between the image of the brown lady and carved sta- uh, statues of the Virgin Mary also possibly could have contributed to the creation of this image. It is, however, um, or sorry, but however, it was created and Proven and Shear's country life photograph stirred 
an interesting conversation in the validity of ghost photography and how these convincing images were created over 50 years before modern technology, which is fair. So I think sometimes we fall victim to the trap of it's old and creepy, so it must be real. But people were faking ghost photographs long before Provin and Shira, most notably uh, with mediums regurgitating ectoplasm during the Victorian era seances, which I feel like we've kind of talked about before. Yeah. Um, and so it's safe to say that during a time when ghost stories and seances were still very much vogue, the SPR was rightfully on the lookout for supernatural hoaxes. And Dorothy Walpole would probably find it surprising find it surprising that her name lives on centuries later in the form of a ghostly spirit wandering the halls of her former home. And whether the photograph is real or a hoax, it certainly makes for an entertaining ghost story. And since the current town Shens don't mind her presence, hopefully Dorothy's spirit is haunting happily from the afterlife inside of the beautiful Raymond Hall. I would agree. I hope she's just vibing, smiling at people, and living her best afterlife i would hope the same i hope it's the best afterlife that she could have ever wanted for herself but that concludes my story for you wow that was a good one i uh hated like 90 percent of the men in that but uh the women were great yes if there's anything to learn from this one is that men as per usual just beef with everybody and do crazy things and apparently nobody bats an eye and here we are and here we are but with that i shall tell you my story and i am going to tell you a story that is a local to the city that i live in emily are you ready yes i i was born ready so I'm going to tell you about the Devil's Playground, which Emily and I have actually been to. We'll talk about that, our, our experience there afterwards. But let me just tell you the, the, the history and the lore behind the Devil's Playground. Excellent. I'm prepared. So it's located on the outskirts of Calgary. The once a new school was located in the northeast heading towards Chestermere. The school is said to have been on in the Rockland School District number three zero one six, and has, and it was allegedly built on July twenty fifth, nineteen thirteen, and closed in nineteen fifty eight. Depending on who you talk to, the myth of the area changes, but most, but the most common story is that it was a school that burnt down on the outskirts of Calgary. When it burnt down. Between four to eight children, depending on who you talk to, remained inside and to this day their souls are thought to haunt the area, playing on the vacant spot of land. Throughout the years, the building was allegedly in the process of being demolished by workers when halfway through the city employees mysteriously got sick and their equipment stopped working. Legend has it, the ghosts of the children who used to attend the school haunted the employees and eventually caused them to leave the school alone and never fully finish the demolition. Spooky stories have been reported in the area, with some people fully believing they encountered a ghost. One of the bone-chilling tales told on Reddit claims that the children who lost their lives in the fire can be heard playing on the foundation of the remains. Others have said that the heavy machinery doesn't work there. So, a local Calgary filmmaker named Dory Davidson Ravel decided to make a documentary about the 
the local landmark. And unfortunately, their documentary is only available in the U.S., so I haven't seen it. But um, our American Ironic. listeners can go Ironic watch. For a, Cal- for a Calgary filmmaker. <laughs> it honestly happens so much more than you would even imagine. I cannot tell you how many times a film has been made here by locals and it's unavailable to watch in Canada at all. Weird. All right, I guess. Infuriating. But our American listeners can go enjoy, I guess, and uh, <laughs> let me know what happens. Yeah. Um, Dory said in an interview that throughout the documentary making process, he heard many tales one of which involved two groups of people mistaking talking to one another for talking to a ghost. So these two people were literally talking to each other and they both individually thought they were talking to a ghost, but they actually ended up... I genuinely don't even know. That's the weirdest happenstance It would be literally me and you having a conversation with each other and then I just look at you and I'm like, did you hear that? (laughs) I, like, asked you a question, and then this, like, voice told me the answer back. Isn't that great? It had to have been a ghost. I hope that's exactly... I'm pretty sure that's exactly how it happened. I really Um, freaking hope so. Other stories are a tad more unexplained, as some have reported seeing child's handprints on the walls, and have even seen a young girl with long black hair wearing a white dress in the area. People have also found animal bones, creepy graffiti, and leftover books. According to Dory, the school was run by a well-known family in Calgary known as the Ellis family. They also own the Ellis Bird Farm that is still running in Calgary. Like the Ellis Bird Farm that I know? No, there's one in Calgary. It's in Inglewood. I don't know about the one in... uh, the, the other one in our hometown from. area. <laughs> yeah. No, because uh, that's the thing is that the one in the location that we come from, um, their like whole thing there is that uh, it's like a sanctuary that was built by like a couple that liked to go on nature walks there and they funded this whole sanctuary. It might be the same family then because I was looking into it on their website and it's like an old couple who had a very similar story so maybe interesting all right um dory said that he had heard many different variations about what exactly led to the fire dory said quote we've had strange stories from a crazy nun who burned the place down because she made a pact with the devil to actual flying saucers and cows which i love that there's so much variation in that regard my theory it was, it was for sure a flying saucer it has to have been. Obviously, you have the answer to everything, is my opinion. <laughs> Obviously. In an interview with the property owner, Don Ellis, who has since died, revealed that he was more afraid of people looking for ghosts than he was of the ghosts themselves. Quote, he just told us scary stories of trespassers. It was more a human element than it was an actual paranormal element haunting the land, Dory said. He was always being harassed by people walking on his property, some of them armed, and they would try looking for ghosts. They would break into his house. Dory says his attempts to look for historical records of the event were met by filing errors, which I think is really interesting that he was actually trying to see, like, what was on paper, the cause of the fire, 
and all the records were gone. Yeah, this actually seems to come up a lot, I've noticed in these stories, and I find it fishy every single time. I also find it fishy. It makes me think that something happened that was not the best, but um, who's to say? Who's to say? However, he did manage to determine a school existed on the property and was active into the 1950s, despite some versions of the story saying the schoolhouse burned down at the turn of the 20th century. It was said to have been torched by a trespasser. Quote, the history is more fascinating than the paranormal aspect and a lot more fun, Dory said. The site can't be accessed as it's private property, so stepping on site would be considered trespassing. Of course, you can drive by the area and try to experience something otherworldly. When you get there, turn off the car and see if you can hear the footsteps of the ghostly children running around. Maybe your car will even have trouble turning back on. Either way, respect the boundaries of the area and stay in your vehicle as everything is totally off limits. And Emily and I can 100% attest to that. We went, it's across the street from a Costco and there's like part of the old fence still up, but other than that, like it's gone. There's literally nothing there. Like, you pull up, there's very obviously somebody's farmhouse, which they still live on, like, not that far away, who probably owned the land. And then, like, if you're looking to park anywhere, it's literally, like, a one-way road to the Costco. So, like, it's like, okay, park your vehicle and listen for footsteps. And it's like, okay, but you would be parking your vehicle in the Costco parking lot and listening to the footsteps of literal children leaving Costco running around your car. Yeah, it's... Uh, not very spooky. I'm thinking about making a a TikTok about it. So, uh, tune in there to see, uh, because we got some footage from when we went, I think back in February. Yeah. It would have been, I think for sure, at the start of this year in the spring sometime. Yeah. So, guys, tune into our TikTok at Wheel of Crumb Podcast. And you can see the devil play, the devil's playground up close and personal. Lucky, lucky. Um, but I think that brings us to the end of today's episode. Should we spin for our next week? Yes, spin away. All right, next week we are going to be doing a season of the witch episode. Ooh, I was really hoping we would get this one because it doesn't feel right not to do a witch story during Halloween. No, it doesn't. And I feel like even though we did one last year, it's not a topic I ever tire of. There's always so many different witch stories. And honestly, power to them. Power to them. Exactly. All right. Well, that's the end of our episode. Do you want to take it away with our end credits, Em? Absolutely. So if you liked today's episode, you can check us out on our website, which is www.wheelofcrime.com if you want to see more about us there. Also, we do have our social media, which is on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, all at Wheel of Crime if you want to get show updates there. Um, If you want to donate to the show at all and kind of support us there, we also have a Patreon account, which is Wheel of Crime at Patreon. You also get a little something for your efforts if you look there. Uh, We also have our... Email. So our email is wheelofcrime at gmail.com if you want to email us a story of your own. Maybe you want to say something nice. Um, that would be fun too. Um, 
We also are taking uh, submissions still for our uh, listener stories episode for Halloween here. Um, if you want to check out our Google Doc on that, uh, you can do that as well. And besides that, you can also leave us a review. Say you really like today's episode or just you think we're cool and deserve love. Uh, you can leave us five stars on anywhere you listen to podcasts currently. And uh, that would greatly help us as well in reaching out to new people. And I think that's basically everything. Yeah. Um, the Google Doc to submit your uh, stories is linked on our Instagram. So head over there to check that on out. And that's it for our episode today. We will see you next week to talk about the season of the witch. Okay, bye. Bye.